0: Have a Bible with you this morning. I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, Paul's epistle to the Romans is where we'll be. Verses 1 through 5 is our focus, but we'll rein in most of chapter 4. What I want you to know right up front this morning in this message is that the book of Romans is an incredible, incredible book to know. You need to know it. My exhortation is going to be many this morning, but pastorally, what I want to say to you is you need to know this book. Get to know it well. And the reason is, is because Paul takes you section by section through this book, and he unfolds this beautiful flower that is the gospel. And the gospel means good news. Our vision here at St. Paul's in this parish is to be a church, to be a parish that sows the good news. You are going to get a heavy dose of that sowing this morning. Are you ready? (laughs) That's what we are about. That's what we glory in. That's what we love. And we do this unapologetically. And so Paul brings us the good news this morning. The good news is designed, this is why it's such good news, is because it's designed to lift burdens, even in pain. And it's designed to give you joy in your life, whether there's ups or whether there's downs. It's designed to make you strong, to make you strong. And I want you to see this. I want you to feel this this morning, Because this is exactly what Paul says at the beginning of the book in chapter 1. So if you want to flip over just really quickly to chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul gives us these two verses, which is really the banner. This is the flag that flies high over this entire book. And this is what he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. I'm not ashamed of it. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the gospel is good news about salvation. And so Paul goes on and he explains in chapters one and chapter two and chapter three what we need salvation from. Why do we need salvation? And I'm telling you, People need to hear this because most people are going to say, why do I need salvation? Because I am a good person. But if you read chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, you're coming out of those chapters thinking, I am nothing but a loser. (laughs) I need someone to come save me because I have guilt from sin And I also am experiencing the justice of God's wrath because of my sin. And so how is it that we who have sinned and insulted God's glory so badly can be saved from the sentence of condemnation that we deserve from God? And so he says in verse 17 of of Romans 1, so right back to Romans 1, 17, tells us, what it is about the gospel that makes it the power unto salvation. Notice, quote, For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from what? Faith to faith. The gospel saves because it is the good news that God's righteousness is revealed to be received by faith. There it is. But you'll say, now, what does that mean? How does that work? And that's where we are right here in Romans 4. Last part of chapter 3, all of chapter 4, and all of chapter 5, Paul's explanation is of Romans 1.17. Romans the revelation of the righteousness of God as the basis of the good news that lifts your burdens, gives you joy and makes you strong. The revelation of the righteousness of God is the basis of this blessedness that we see here in chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. Right? The state of being deeply secure and I'm content and I'm joyful in God. I'm happy. And so how does this work? We need, right, we need righteousness to be acceptable to God, but we don't have it. <laughs> Instead, we, we have what, what God hates, which is sin. He, re, he rejects us, and He hates us because of our sin. And so the question is, what is the answer? And it is the greatest answer in the world Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son. It's Jesus. That's the answer. It's Jesus, the son of God, who died in our place. God lays our sins on Christ, and he punishes them in in him. And in Christ's obedient death, God fulfills, he vindicates his righteousness, and get this, he imputes. I know, it's like this large theological word that nobody knows what it means, right? He imputes, he, he credits. Think of it that way. He, he credits someone's account. He credits it to us. So let me put it succinctly. If you get anything, just get this, and then you can, you can just doze off right? Because you're all tired, and I'm tired, and we got one less hour of sleep last night. Here it is. Let me, let me say this. Our, our sin on Christ, His righteousness on us as a free gift through faith and not by works. Let me just say it again, just so I make it crystal clear. Our sin on Christ his righteousness on us as a free gift through faith, and not by works. Free gift. Free. Free. free, 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 free gift. Right? I have a really good friend in Kansas, and he works for a dental company that provides crowns and um, dental prosthetics for dentists and offices for their patients and. Um, he travels around. He visits offices, right? He goes into offices and he gives them his sales pitch. And he says, Hey, our company makes really great crowns and they make false teeth for those of your patients that, you know, don't take care of their teeth at all. And, um, he's, and D- Dusty's great at this. He's, he's awesome. And so he gives a, he, his little pitch. And, and what I would do is, um, you know, because I lived in eastern Kansas with him and there's nothing to do in eastern Kansas, right? We're in the middle of nowhere. And so I would ride around with him. And Dusty would oftentimes make his pitch um, through just offering a free lunch to the office. He would basically call him up, and he'd say, hey, you know, I, I want to offer you lunch. And that would be a way to kind of get his foot in the door of the dentist office. All I want to do is just offer you lunch. No strings attached. I, I'm not going to bring it in and then, you know, talk to you for an hour and give you the sales pitch. All, no strings attached, just a free lunch. And of course, I'd be sitting, you know, in the passenger seat, and I could hear the receptionist on the other end of the line kind of always typically, because we'd always laugh about this, you know, free lunch. That's all I want to do. I just want to give you free lunch. And the receptionist would be kind of like, yeah, no, thank you. You know, no, thanks. Yeah, no, no, we're good. You know, we we don't eat lunch, right? I mean, just kind of like this and you know, in her heart, and in her mind, she's really essentially saying to him, what? Yeah, what's the catch? Right? Isn't it human nature that we just, this is where we go in our hearts and minds? You know, free? Yeah, no thanks. What's the catch? The old saying has to be right. There ain't no free lunch. And what Paul begins to do is hammer this mantra into our brains, into our hearts, into his readers, that a right standing before God is a free gift. It's a free gift. We see this and we think that, um, yeah, right, you take our sin, I get your righteousness, yeah, what's the catch? It has nothing to do with keeping God's law, And that sounds too good to be true, and Paul knows it. And he realizes that he has to do more than just say it. He has to demonstrate it. And who does he choose to demonstrate this but an Old Testament saint that is the father of a great, great nation? Abraham. So if you were in the Gospel Project Sunday School class this morning... You're getting a heavy dose of Abraham because this is exactly where we are again. We're with Abraham, right? Abraham, you see, Abraham was the father of a Jewish nation. He is the very best illustration to give because he's so revered. He's revered by three major religions, Judaism, Islam, Christianity. Jewish rabbis would claim uh, that he was perfect in all of his deeds all the days of his life. If anybody could make it on works, it was Abraham. And Paul knows this. And so he's going to use Abraham as kind of a prop in this legal courtroom that he's about to unfold, right? He's going to basically say if Abraham could do it, which he couldn't, let's just take a, let's let's look at him. So what Romans 4 is all about in the opening the opening line for his case that Paul's making is this Abraham was justified by faith alone. By faith alone. Faith first, apart from his own good works. So, two arguments really quickly. We're just gonna fly through this. I don't want to fly through it, but but I have to because, because I have to. Here we go. Two arguments, very simplistic. Here's argument number one that Paul makes. Abraham was not justified by his works, verses 1 and 2. So Paul begins by asking, right, essentially, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? Right, he's asking, in effect, because we, we would all see that Abraham was peerless example, the justified man by faith, in God's sight, Let's just take a look at him more carefully in order to determine the basis of his justification. So, verse 2, he uses this hypothetical reasoning. Paul says, for if Abraham was justified by works, then he has something to what? To boast about. If a man is justified by his works... He would indeed have something to boast about because salvation has been merited by by himself or herself. But as Paul goes on to demonstrate this, this premise is not true. It's faulty. It's baseless. Abraham did not have anything in himself to boast about before God. He was justified by God's good Grace. Undeserving. Grace. Grace means what? Unmerited gift, favor. Unmerited. You didn't do anything. Abraham didn't have anything himself to boast about before God. He was justified by God's good grace. He he was not. So, Paul just unfolds this. So, Chapter 4, if you want to know just kind of how this unfolds, Paul says he was not justified through circumcision, verses 9 through 12. He was not justified by the law, verses 13 through 15. Salvation was obtained by divine power, not by human effort. Abraham was not justified by his works. He was, so Paul goes on to say, second argument, he was justified by his faith. So look at verses 3 through 5. On the positive side of his argument, Paul appeals to Scripture. He quotes Genesis 15, 6, which is a a good way to argue. Go to God's Word. And Abraham believed God, and it was what? Here's that word. Reckoned, counted, imputed to him as what? Righteousness. That word counted, imputed, reckoned, it carried this economic, legal meaning of crediting something to another's account. And it's everywhere in Romans 4. You see it in verse 4. You see it in verse 5, 6, 8, 9, 11, 22, 20, right, it, Paul just keeps going. It's everywhere in chapter 4. Paul says that the way that you are justified is by God taking sin off your account and putting the righteousness of Christ on your account. Your faith and my faith and Abraham's faith is acceptable to God only because God graciously Reckoned it, imputed it. And that's why it's such great news. Right? (laughs) Because you and I come in here and we glory in this God because it's been reckoned to us. And we didn't deserve it. That's why we raise hallelujahs, that's why we sing and dance. At the resurrection, Easter Sunday, it's what Lent is all about. We marvel in the gospel. We humble ourselves in the gospel because it is that great and good of news. Jesus paid a debt, right? I owed a debt I could not pay. Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe. We marvel in that. That's why it's so blessed. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And you might be saying, right where you're sitting this morning, what's the catch? It may sound too good to be true. It's free to us, but that doesn't mean that it's cheap. Not in the least. Believing it means more than just agreeing to it with our heads. It means entrusting ourselves, our righteous standing before God, and our eternal destiny completely to the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did for us when He died and when He rose again. And we commit ourselves to Him in faith. Just in closing this morning, just a few more minutes. I don't know if many of you are familiar with the name William Cowper. William Cowper. Cowper was a man who had a tormented mind. He decided that he was just going to end his life. <laughs> he's just done. It's over. I'm just going to end it. And he's going to do this by killing himself. He lived in Paris. He went down to the Seen river that runs through Paris, and four times he tried to get enough courage to just throw himself into the river. He couldn't do it. So he went and he got some poison. He decided, "I'll, I'll poison myself. Three times he put the poison to his lips, but he couldn't do it. So he said, I'm just gonna take a gun. I'll take a gun and I'm going to shoot myself. And twice he took the gun, put it to his temple, but he could not release the trigger. And then someone told him about Jesus. And William Cowper wrote these words. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all of their guilty stains. That's the grace of God. And that's the good news. In in application this morning, there are probably just two things, very quickly. The first is this, if you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it is just marveling in that, right? It is taking this Lenten season and just basking in the glow of the gospel, that you are a child of God saved by grace. But you may be sitting here this morning because this is the type of parish that we're going to be. We are about saving souls through the gospel of Christ. And the question may be, have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone as your Savior from sin? Have you entrusted yourself to Him for your eternal salvation? If you haven't done it, may today be the day of salvation. It will change your life. It has to change your life because it's real. Put your trust in him. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the gospel. Press upon it into our hearts and our minds that we would know it far greater today because we've been here. And we thank you for Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.